this is my podcast question. What's your favorite Marvel movie? Uh, I have a buddy that's deep, deep in the Marvel universe. And I had to ask the question, tweeted at you from the first podcast that you guys dropped a little nugget of, uh, what's your favorite Marvel movie? Yeah. Do you, do you remember what my response was? No, because I get a lot of tweets. No worries. It was the uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You did say that. That's not even a Marvel movie. <laughs> I so I don't know. I talked with my buddy. He says it's not, but it might be. But hello and welcome to Hit Chat Chit Chat. My name's Connor Reynolds. On today's podcast, we are actually going to be going over. This is just going to talk about hitting how much can go forward. I absolutely love the swing being compared to a catapult, scapular muscle. And what I'm going to look to try and do throughout the entire swing is build that tension. If you are a coach that is unwilling to ask why and the how of how to do something and you are doing a disservice to your players, my goal is to try and make every single kid a King Griffey. Strider is here. The reason I like the cricket bat is it's flat. Thank you for the sub, my guy. I really appreciate it. What else do we got for the folks? There we go. We should be live. All right. I guess you probably listened to the, to the podcast pretty it's pretty casual um introduce yourself if you'd like and then you can we can go this may be a little different uh <laughs> we've been trying to this you wanted to ask me questions so yeah, man. The podcast no reason there's no reason why we, should, we couldn't do the podcast. the goal of the podcast i think people as the podcast more episodes have gotten out of the podcast i think some people are not understanding exactly what the goal of the podcast is it's just casual conversation between people as if we were friends sitting talking um a lot of people that have been on the podcast this is the first time you and i have ever talked a lot of the people that have mm -hmm. been on the podcast so far are my friends and so whatever you know <laughs> that's that's how, how i want to roll I don't, i'm not a formal guy um i just i don't write anything down i don't i just go where the conversation goes and, one guy pointed out that I interrupt people a lot. And it's like, gosh, my mind, gets going. <laughs> my mind gets going. And I, I don't know. That's how my it mind flows, works. Man. I'm not be rude or anything. Oh, no, I understand. I understand. No worries. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I have had a lot of questions um, just in kind of trying to figure out uh, just alone, like myself. Um, and I started doing kind of like, what I call my podcast. It started out like about last year. Uh, I was doing a lesson. Uh, I started streaming my lessons during uh, quarantine and everything because I yeah. was back. Uh, I wasn't doing facilities and everything. So I was back at my barn here and I was trying to figure out like, how do I get like what I'm doing out? How do I get uh, what these kids are doing? And if they do a good job, how am I able to make it easy for them to access that information? And so I just started uh, streaming. Uh, my lessons and then one day a kid didn't show up and so instead of just canceling it uh, I just sat in my cage and chatted uh, and then kind of just building it out from there and uh, I've been wanting to try and get a hold of the guys that uh, have kind of not figured it out but are <laughs> way further along in the process um, if to me I feel like you figured it out if you were to if some like you were to say that to yourself, I feel like you would say you haven't and you're still, you know, going. Uh, I feel like that's just always how it is. Like when you're at the spot where you were wanting to get to, you see where you need to go still. 
And then when you're looking out five years ahead, you're like, oh, if I could just get there. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out uh, how I can be the best one, just hitting instructor. Um, and then two, just like you said, having good conversations with people, just being able to kind of discuss it. That is one of the things I miss most about being at a facility, just being able to kind of like uh, get into a cage and just, you know, shoot the shit with guys and stuff like that. Kind of just right. go over, uh, you know, I remember one time I was at a spot, I had a dream of a drill and I just wanted to feel it out, just play with it. And I had like three of my buddies come over and they saw me just kind of workshopping something on my own. And we just started, you know, talking about it and just, well, I think this, I think blah, 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 blah. And being at the barn, I don't really get as much of that anymore. And so that's why I was wanting to start bringing on guests and just kind of figure out that kind of stuff. Are you, are you working with players there? Are you training players? Yeah, so I've have, I, I just started groups. Uh, I just got hired on as a hitting coordinator at my uh, local high school here that I'm an alma mater of. Um, and, uh, so pretty excited about that. I've been wanting to start doing groups for a while. Uh, when I first started offering it, I was just doing one-on-one -on -one lessons for a while. And I started shadowing a gentleman down in, uh, Parker, uh, Chris Dunn with high pro hitting. Yep. And he was really big into the groups and I was just shadowing him. I was there for a couple months. And I saw the, like the value in it. I really liked it. And so I started trying to offer it and uh, no one wanted anything to do with it. <laughs> and so I uh, kind of threw that on the back burner. Now being hired uh, as the hitting coordinator uh, with my local high school, um, started having, I'm up to like nine guys that are coming in for groups now. Um, I've got about eight or 10, eh, seven to 10 guys that I see uh, for one-on-one -on -one lessons. Um, and then just really trying to keep growing that, uh, kind of came down a little bit after summer, I coached a travel ball team as well. So we did the big 17 U perfect game circuit and stuff like that. So it was just nonstop travel this summer. So wasn't really able to keep growing there, but looking forward to start being able to grow now. For sure. No, I'm with you. Um, I just, like, it's all I do. And so. I get the transition being tough for people, though. Um, I'm to the point now with it that maybe I should do one-on-ones. Maybe I shouldn't. Again, we talked about my kids. Having kids really throws a, a loop, a wrench in things, because my daughter is nine and my son is seven, and they're now coming to a place where they're playing. And so on Saturdays, I'm with them. And then on most of the days that I'm here, I'm, I want to spend time with them. And so it's what's, what's the time exchange of, of, uh, of spending time with other people's kids versus spending time with mine. <laughs> I mean, I used to do a lot more than I do now on the training, individual, you know, individual lessons, group lessons, uh, team training. I mean, I used to do a lot more, but it's come down to, my children now it's like i'm gonna have to hustle in other ways to make up for the lost revenue and income mm -hmm. that i'm from training people which is fine that's the sacrifice i'm willing to make but you know that is what it is um 
What is your energy? I mean, it's early. It's like 6.30 where you are. <laughs> yeah, man, and I, I didn't even uh, tell you. I actually put the uh, this meeting in um, on my calendar at for 6 a.m. <laughs> and so uh, once I, I actually started scrolling, it was like 5.55. I scrolled over. I was going to message you, and then I saw that you said 6.30 or 8.30 for you. And yeah. I was like, gosh, dang it, man. So I just went over, uh, did a couple of stretches and stuff like that. That's the yeah. beauty of having – like this setup and being right there. But yeah, man, it's a, it's a little early right now. <laughs> yeah, I had to drop my kids off. And then I was like, wait a minute. I think he's in Colorado. I asked That's So, but you're up, you're up. You slamming an energy drink? Nah, man. Uh, just uh, woke up at like 4.30, took a nice little cold shower. I'm a big fan of cold showers, man. There you Big go. fan of cold showers. Wait, wakes that body up, gets it going, even if you don't want it. Getting that body uncomfortable uh, to get the day started, you know. It does. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> nice little, I, like, one minute at the end. I am oh, yeah. the guy. I am the guy that you did not want to be in the cold tub with after practice. I hated you're just, it. You're just kicking around? Hated the cold tub. Hated <laughs> Like – the guy that complains the whole time, that was me in the cold tub. Oh, I that's just brutal. The worst. Have you seen, <laughs> speaking of the cold tub, have you seen uh have you seen Kevin Hart's cold tub episodes on YouTube? Yes, those are absolutely incredible. I love them. They're so Smith funny. Cold tub episode on YouTube where he talks like LeBron is like the funniest thing. It's the fun. It's one of the funniest things. Because <laughs> he's asking J.R. Smith about the time he forgot about the forgot about the score and forgot about the clock. And, oh, so funny! It is so funny that that gif, that LeBron gif, where he's mm -hmm. where he's like like this with J.R. Smith. <laughs> Twitter. So anytime that Caleb Abney ever says anything about task challenges and game-like environments and anything like that. I always come back with that gift about what about mechanics? It's so <laughs> it's funny. That's just a joke that we have between us. Uh, but yeah, you're young too. How old are you? I'm 25, man. No, you're not. You're not crazy. <laughs> nah, not too bad, but still trying to uh, young enough that I still get uh, enough flack uh, from the, uh, uh gurus i guess are not the opposite of gurus on twitter to not know what i'm doing um right. but you know so, old enough to like, still trying to figure out or, or challenge the norm because you're young it's like sure man whatever you think <laughs> well in their minds i'm supposed to be playing uh either minor league or major league baseball at the current moment for me to be just qualified as a baseball coach so i i shouldn't be able to start my career yet that's a funny argument because I've positioned, I guess, myself as for years as one of the rebellious people on Twitter that like just just doing this to be different for different sake. And then it always comes back around to people will justify their positions upon, well, he played pro ball. It's like, well, so did I. So are you just confirmation biasing? his position versus my position on the fact that he played pro ball. Cause I did too. So which guy that played pro ball is right. You know, so <laughs> I love getting into that. It's like, I played pro ball too. So 
you can't, I'm not, it's like a lot of the people that have different opinions. It's like this player versus anti-player crowd. You know, the, the no offense, Kyle Bodie has, has been one of the most influential people in the game of baseball and he didn't play or he played nope. at a deep school and, you know, but then you, you got the people on the other side, the players, it's like, Kyle, it's the worst. He didn't play. He didn't know what he's talking about. It's like, here I am right dead in the middle of a guy who played, who has way more respect for Kyle than I have for the other side, you know, but it's like, I'm kind of on the island of misfit toys of people that played, but people that, that side on the side of what, for lack of a better term, the nerds, you know, I, I'm kind of one of the nerds. <laughs> I feel though, as I mean, here, I'm going to, before I make these claims, I'm just going to double check and make sure that what I'm assuming is correct. Yeah. I'm looking at your bio. It's not like you have X pro, like every single thing that makes you, uh, you know, should make you a uh, certified uh, instructor that's the thing that I see like is all those guys that are feel that way they have just so that way they make sure people know who they were because yeah. I mean, most people don't know those guys back in the day unless you were around they have to put in their bio like oh former big leaguer former blah 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 and like yeah. you know if I did that I you know what a hand up I probably would but the fact that you feel like you need to do that, like yours isn't in there because that's not who you are. That doesn't like, Never. that's not the staple of who you are. Never been in there. It, it's not something that honestly, it's probably something that I should talk about more, but I just, I just don't find it. I just don't find it useful. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't. It should it? I was a good player and got up drafted to pay 20 years ago. Has nothing to do with the improvements that we're going to make in you today it has nothing to do with that. You know, don't train with me. And I tell people this, don't train with me because I was a good player. Train with me because my mountains of data that are in my computer, <laughs> that we have the ability to be a better player. And this is how we're going to do it. It's nothing so, to do with the fact that I was a good player, nothing. How did you get into all of this then? Were you, I, I had a conversation with uh, John Lampros the other day. Yep. He said, uh, he said that he kind of, where I'm in the boat with, I, I had an, an okay-ish, ish college career. I, I led the country in strikeouts in junior college my first two years. Uh, I was go. top 10. And like, but from that, that made me realize like, all right, I never want to feel the hopelessness I was feeling. And so my entire energy and everything I've been doing is just driven to make sure that none of my players ever feel the failure that I felt in my career uh, and the hopelessness that I kind of felt. How did you kind of get into everything that you're doing? If we're a pro guy, I mean, we've got the, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I mean, you got the LEPD plus, you got the merch, you got YouTube podcasts, um training devices uh interns your own facility like how did this kind of whole thing get started that's a good question um i so i guess maybe are you asking me about my curiosities about the player performance or are you asking me about my business which one do you want to know more about right now we can go in the direction did, 
Which one started which? So I got done playing pro ball at 23. I was 23. Um, getting ready to turn 24. Yeah, I think I was 23 getting ready to turn 24. Um, and just as a player, you know, I, I wanted to be a big leaguer. Like I wanted to be a big leaguer. And I felt like I was a big leaguer. You know, I worked out. I spent off seasons working out at what was then Athletes Performance, which is now Exos, around guys. Andre Ethier was my workout partner. Um, you know, Andre played 10, 11 years for the Dodgers. Um, and there were so many people there that I got to be around that I hung with. Like, I, I did. But there was a disconnect between my athletic ability and talent and then what happened in the game. It just didn't play well. And so once I was done, what actually the first part of it is once I was done with pro ball, I wasn't going to coach. I wasn't going to coach at all. Like I was done with baseball. Like I'm done with this. Like I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to do something else. And so that was probably, that was spring training. We were getting ready to break from spring training. I got released. I got some independent ball calls. Didn't want to play independent ball. I was kind of tired of riding buses. I was kind of tired of the lifestyle more or less. I'm not going to ride buses if the big league's not at the end of it. Like, I'm not going to do this. And so the high school coach calls me in, like, June. And is like, hey, um, we, need, we need somebody to help with the summer team. You know, can we put your name on it? Because we need somebody that's not affiliated with school. So you don't even have to come. He said, come, like, a couple times, and, you know, that'll be good enough. I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> like our first in this day, it's at this place. If you come that game, I'm like, okay. So I show up to that game, and it was in that game. I was like, I like this. Like, I, I think I like this. Like, I think I, I think I may coach a little. Well, I, I stayed at that high school for five years. I ended up being the head coach for the last two years. Politics, parents, all this other garbage things that go along with that administration yada yada my last year we played in the state finals school consolidated with another school i was untenured my boss particularly didn't like me particularly and so i no longer had a position at the school hmm. which it, i was done with baseball again it's like i'm not doing this anymore <laughs> i had like one kid from another school at this time i started working with a little bit we would go to little league field i would work with him the guy that owns this building sees my dad in the post office. He says, hey, I want Chad to work with my kids. I actually have a building that I think would interest him if he wants to, you know, pursue a facility. My dad says, what do you think? I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a baby. So he's like, think about it. So I thought about it, and I looked at this bit. I mean, this building right here, that I'm, place I'm sitting at right now was dirt floor 10 years ago. This was an apple storage house for the apple orchard, 100 years. This building is over 100 years old for the apple orchard that was across the street back in the day. This is kind of like right in the middle of the town. So they used to have the market and they would sell apples out of this building. And wow. I, came in, I was like, ah, you sure, man? You sure we can do something with this? Like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So we started here. And I've told this story before on this podcast from a business standpoint. I thought what I was going to do is 
Um, I thought what I was going to do is we were going to start here. My, all my friends were going to give lessons here. We were going to house all the travel teams here. We were going to be here a short bit of time. And then we were going to build a big facility. We were going to do the mega facility thing with there's a couple, been a couple pieces in my business during this time. My little league coach owned the sporting goods store in town. I taught my dad into buying that. So we bought the little sporting goods shop here in town. About a year into that, I realized I don't like this either. At the same time, I was realizing I don't want to do a mega facility either. So it's like, how are we going to grow from here? Well, yada, yada, on down the hole. I get established myself on the internet. The internet grows, yada, yada, yada. I don't know how I acquired so many followers. I interacted a lot when it was e a lot easier to gain followers on Instagram, on Twitter, you know, eight, seven, eight years ago. It was a lot easier. I look at my analytics now and it's like, this is ridiculous. This is so hard. It's way harder now than it was back in the day. I don't know. The products that I've come up with in my head, I was just trying to solve problems for people that, that we had in the gym. The spinner came from, the spinner came from, we were training a bunch of college guys one summer and the shoulder tube, we're using the shoulder tube and then they leave here and they're not able to do any exercise like shoulder stabilization exercise because the shoulder tube is so inconvenient to, to haul around. And so there wasn't any really thing, anything at that time that they could throw in their bag and have with them. So I don't know. I am driving to Orlando to take my kids to Disney World. It's like two in the morning. And I think about this rotating piece of thing that I'm like, I think that would work. And so I put that together. It's a thing. I mean, it's a small thing. It's not a huge thing. It should be a huge thing because like I said, I would be, I would drive a Tesla if everybody that needed a spinner actually had one, but you can't convince people that arm care is a good idea. You know, you can't convince people that, you know, throwing the ball hard is more important than command because it's not more important, but it's like the first principles. You learn to throw the ball hard, you know, and then as you grow and you, and you get bigger and stronger, your proprioceptive things change. You're, you're going to have a greater ability to kind of dial that into a something. So I think from all this journey, and I don't know if my profile still says this. I know it says this on my website, but curiosity, it's kind of just driven me into like, how can I be better? You know, how did I get into technology? I was just curious about it. You know, what is this, what is this ZEP sensor that I can put on the end of the back? <laughs> I kind of liked computers and I kind of liked iPads. It's like, oh, cool, I can do this. It's like, I don't know what any of this stuff is, but it's like, I was curious about it. So I got, I was like one of the first guys on the internet that was talking about bat sensors like you practically using them to train players like not just as a toy like we're actually using this to train players and then hit tracks and diamond kinetics kind of had this partnership one time where the diamond kinetics data was going to be in the hit tracks which was amazing 
I was thinking of one of like three people in the whole country that used it. It was amazing. That's why I bought a hit tracks. Um, oh man. And so that partnership dissolved, but that's what got me into weighted bass. That's what got me into bat speed. That's what got me into exit velocity development and power. It's like, Hey, you actually really can develop these things. It's, you know, and so from there, it evolved just chasing curiosity all the time. How can we make players better? You know, it's like you, when you said, I didn't want players to, to feel what I felt. You know, I still think I'm driven by play, helping players become big leaguers. You know, I've told people, I train every player like they're going to be a big leaguer. What that means for them may be different than what it meant for me. You know, I wanted to be a big leaguer. I wanted to, I mean, if you'd asked me when, when I was your age, actually, when I was your age, I was done playing. If you had asked me when I was 20, what I would be doing today, there'd probably be a Ferrari sitting outside. And I, Ryan Zimmerman and I were in the same recruiting class at UVA, and he's still playing. I was better in high school than Ryan Zimmerman. We played in the showcases. We played on the same circuits. We played on the same teams. He went the, like the 40th round out of high school and I went the 12th and then he went to UVA and goes as the third pick. He's still playing and I'm not like if you'd asked me then I was going to be a big leaguer. But today, I mean, it's still the curious of like, how can we increase player performance to a point where they become a big leaguer? You know, I want, I want them to be a big leaguer. That's what I want. I want them to, but I want them to have a good experience playing baseball too, you know, you know, I think what what I do, what you do, people think that we, we don't care about their teams. We don't care about them being a good teammate. We don't care about them. We just care that they rake or they throw gas. And I want those things. I mean, that's why people come to me. But it's like along the way, you know, I want you to learn how to be a good teammate. I want you to develop relationships. That's why I group train. I mean, that's why I group train is – I want you to have that interaction with people on the floor. I want you to take, learn to take positions of leadership that is not in front of your high school coach, that you're not being judged upon. This is like practice for that. You know, I want you, I want you to, 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 to interact with your peers. You know, I want, I want you to see that other guys, all the, all the crap we do in here, there are other guys struggling with it too. You're not alone, you know. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of the culmination of what happens. I and love I it. Do I just kind of figure it out? I've got, I've told my I've told people I've used the term. I've kind of Forrest Gumped my way into all those things. I probably should quit. <laughs> I honestly probably should have quit, but I'm too stubborn or too dumb to know any different, and so that's the Forrest Gump wisdom of this whole thing. It's like Forrest was too dumb. He was too dumb to realize that you shouldn't be doing these things. And it's like, I've got this Southern, I've got this, you know, Forrest Gump was from Alabama. I'm from the South. I kind of sound unintelligent, I guess. And it's like, I've just Forrest Gumped my way to these things. I don't know if I'm smart, but I am curious and I am stubborn and I just don't, I just don't know any better. And so I just go with it. I have no way of experiencing a website. I built my entire website. 
I have no experience doing any of these things. I, I got a I got a health and physical education degree. I don't know anything about business. I just I just kind of go with it and try to do the best I can. Hey, that's all you can do, man. <laughs> that's all you really can do is just keep doing uh, a little bit more than what you did yesterday. Uh, just try and be a little bit better. Now that a thousand percent answered my question. Um, I, I like I worked a whole lot. 80, 100 hour weeks, a lot. I don't do that much anymore because I have kids now. So I can't, but that's what it was for the first, that's what it was for the first 10 years probably was, you know, five years coaching in high school, five years doing that, this. It was probably 80 to 100 hours a week, every week, Monday through Sunday, like no days off ever. Holy cow. When that, would you say that, do you feel you were putting, or during that time when you were trying to build it, do you feel you were putting at the end of your career more time into trying to build this business as a coach and everything? Or do you feel you were putting in more than 80 to 100 hours uh, on the baseball end in the offseason? I wasn't doing this as a player. I didn't do this as a player. Um, I, when I was a player, that's that. That was my singular focus. Was I, I was I was doing nothing else. I wasn't but doing. Were you putting in like a hundred eighty to a hundred hours a week in the training and everything like that in your off seasons as you are now for your business? Do you feel, or you were for your business? Um, probably not that much. But it was. I mean, I went to. I went to athletes performance in, in Arizona in the off seasons. And so that was all day. I mean, that was typically two workouts a day. That was typically, that was them feeding you. It was hitting, throwing on top of that six days a week. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess where I'm from, you know, I live in the coal fields of Kentucky, Virginia, West Virginia. It's funny because like the five best college football coaches of all time or, or, or four of the five college football coaches of all time are from this little 50 mile radius of West Virginia. Nick, really? Saban, uh, Nick Saban, I think Bobby Bowden, um, legendary coach. His name is skipping me from USC and one other guy um, are all from this little area in West Virginia. You know, there's like a, there's like a, my sister is from here. She's a senior administrator now, like number three or four in charge at the University of Tennessee. You know, like there's just this work ethic of people here uh, that comes from the coal mines. You know, the coal is gone now, but growing up, like people went to the mines and they worked all day long. My dad, my mom, mom's family was in coal and my dad was, was in the coal business. And so, I don't know. It's just kind of like, I guess, in my DNA and her DNA to like, just work a lot. Just work a lot. You know, I look at things, I've told people this through the years. I look at things like, uh, and I say, if it requires work, okay, I'll do that. Like, oh, it doesn't matter how much it is. I'll do that. If it requires money, I may be out, but like, 
if you want me to work, okay, I don't, I don't care to work. And so that's kind of how I was all, always was. That's how I was as a player. That's how I am now. I just show up every day. You know, that's a lost art in young people. It's like, just show up every day, man. There's that consistency in that. Um, earlier, you, you mentioned that your biggest goal is that you just want to be able to train players to be a big league hitter. Uh, or to be a big leaguer. Uh, and what that looks for one player to another might be a little bit different. So how do you and your facility go about setting up your, you said you don't do any one-on-one. So is everything no. a group system? Like how do you guys kind of go about that? It's all group dynamic, but it, all the workouts are pretty individualized to this, at this point. Um, you know, data is kind of the center. I think, what people want um, in training is they want feedback. You know, they want feedback and the expertise of the, the trainer or the coach. Um, technology is our feedback. So it doesn't matter if we do it in one person or five people. You know, we try to keep the groups between three at a time, you know, doing any singular thing. But all the workouts are built inside of track. You have an individual workout that addresses needs that you may have. You know, most of the buckets of hitters are pretty standard. Most every hitter has kind of the same hierarchy of needs. So how we address those is, you know, every hitter needs a foundation of speed and power. Every hitter needs barrel skills, precision, adaptability. Every hitter needs better timing, rhythm, and athleticism. Kind of every hitter needs better perceptual, visual skills to be able to swing at pitches in the zone. You know, your technique is your technique. If we're going to look at the batted ball data, we may make adjustments in our ideas, looking at your diamond kinetics data, looking at your batted ball data, and how we go about training you and getting better results. But ultimately, it just maps to, like, being good in the game. And, again, there's a whole psychological piece to that, too. So we could, we could dummy this down and water this down to where you feel good in here but it's, you're not going to be prepared for the battle that's in the game. You know, a lot of people, my business would be, my training business would be 10x better if I put the ball on the tee and did individual one-on-ones where we just critique swings. It would be a lot better. That's, that's not honest work I don't feel for me. I mean, people do that. They pay their bills doing that. Good for you. I just want to do honest work that's going to help players perform better in the game. This is the best way I know how to do it. It's evolved a lot as we've gotten technology, but technology is kind of the centerpiece of what we do. It's the, it's the feedback of what we do. It's, it's working, is it not? It answers the question of are we getting better, are we not? If we're not getting better, what do we need to do differently? We build the program inside of track. Kid logs in his phone when he comes in. His program is in track for that day. Um, and then he goes about it. He goes about it. It's his job. It's not my job. If I have to motivate you to want to become a better player, this is not the place for you. Like we want you to, you have to, you have to be, you know, internally motivated to want to be, want to work, or want to do better. I can't, I can't motivate you. I can show you the way what's in your track is that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time that I'm saving you in, in, in helping you just pursue the things that matter most. You know, we just want to, we just want to devote all of our time to the things that matter most because time 
time is the most limited commodity as a player or as a, as a business person or as a dad or as a mom or time. So if you're, if you're doing X, you're spending time on X, you're not spending time on Y. And if Y is more important, we just need to punt X. Just get X out of the way. It doesn't matter. Like T-work doesn't matter. Get it out of the way. It makes you feel good, sure. You can do it on your own time, fine. But, but when you're on my time, we're just going to focus on things that matter most. How have you felt that you guys have been able to integrate track and who is going about um, setting up these programs for your players that are coming in? So my, my deal is just me. I've had interns for a while, but it's just me. Um, I've built all the programs in track. I, I say that. The guys, Nick that's at Georgia Tech, Ryan that's with the Mariners, they were home. They Both of those guys played for me um, when I coached in high school. They were home during COVID, so they spent a ton of time in here. They were great because they challenged the way that I think. They, they ask interesting questions. It's like I don't take interns a lot because I think people come here and – you have to challenge the way that I think, you know, you have to ask interesting questions, like ask questions. Don't take what's in that track as the gospel. It's not the gospel. Like it's, it's the best guess I have currently. If you ask a question that makes me think differently about something, then now my wheels start turning. You know, it's why I like doing these roundtable conversations because in the inside of these conversations, sometimes people say things. Robert Riggins, I just did Robert Riggins from Lackawanna. It's not on the podcast yet. These conversations go from here, they go into LPD Plus. The members get first access to the LPD Plus, and then they go out on the podcast a couple months later. That's my plan anyway. Robert Riggins, I did Robert Riggins like last Friday. And I told him, I said, you know, it's not very often that my mind gets completely blown. Currently, my mind is completely blown talking to me. It was amazing. I mean, we've we've already implemented two or three things that he that we he and I talked about. Oh wow! We already had like synaptic glasses. I had synaptic glasses, you know, and so it's like I should use these more than I have. But yeah, it's just me though. It's just me currently. Um, wow. Track is easy tool to use. Uh, it's, I've got, but maybe I say that because I've used it a lot. There are certain things that don't work great about it. And they would, driveline would acknowledge that. I think if they would acknowledge that it's still a very fluid work in progress. I know where those rat, those landmines are. So I just navigate around them a lot, but building out programs, dropping programs in there, it's very easy to do. Um, it gives you a, it gives us an ability to, uh, versus writing workouts on a board or, you know, writing, printing them on a piece of paper and giving them to people. It just, it gives us an ability to, to, to address these individual nuances better inside of it. There's decisions for them inside of it too. It's like kind of a menu type, pick this, pick that, you know, you have to do this exercise you don't get to pick because you have X deficiency or whatever. It just allows for a lot of freedom 
in the framework which we're going to operate within. I think people just think that we just throw the balls in the cage, turn the machine on 95 and go figure it out. But you worked for Chris Dunn. I imagine some of his is that way. I like Chris just Dunn a lot, his- man. His stuff is really good. Uh, I So we kind of ran into each other a little bit. When I was co- uh, going through high school, he was working at a facility that my hitting coach at the time uh, was the owner of. And going up, got through college, um, I actually started going down and working at that same facility. Um, he had since left, though, and uh, he started going doing his own thing. He went down to Florida, and then he came back. And I just was reaching out, just trying to talk to people uh, like you, like Chris, just so that way I can try and feel like I'm still making the right direction or somewhat moving in the right direction. And uh, I just asked him, like, hey, man, like, is there anything I can humanly do to come down? Like I'll throw BP, I'll do it for free. It's a, it's about an hour drive away from me, but I mean, I was going down just for like two hour sessions um, just to be around there and see like his process of how he does stuff. Um, just ask questions and stuff. And he does a lot of kind of, they'll do a little bit of T work. He has a, a kind of, if you're uh, feeling this way here's some things that you should do if you're feeling uh this way here's some drills that you can do uh and then it's just compete type stuff uh short machine um lots of uh just kind of forcing guys to either a figure it out or b figure out why they're not figuring it out kind of stuff and it was amazing yeah for sure no i'm with you um you know and i'm not i i just I'm not get like I get why people and I use the T for a long time. I just I feel that if and I've said this before, if you can kill two birds with one stone, you should. You know, there's the perceptual, visual information and timing aspect of uh, just a front flip that you don't get with a T. It's like we got to coordinate all these movements in time and space too. So. Let's just do all like we take, we've kind of taken all of our drill packages and just made them front toss. I mean, it, it's not challenging, you know, it's, it's not that challenging. It's not like, again, we're, we're, we're rolling in here, turning the machine on 95, and it's like, there you go, man. Good luck. Go figure it out. It's kind of scales up in a lot of different ways. Um, so that, that's, but good for you. Good for you. I don't think young people do that enough in like, I went there, I drove an hour, I went there and I just hung out for free. Like, I think Kyle, Kyle tells the story about Eric Jagers at driveline. I think it was Jagers. I mean, they didn't even know who he was in like the first couple of weeks came to the facility. He would like pick balls up. Like, I'm not sure. I think Kyle didn't know for a good while that's awesome you that's what i tell young people like yourself if you keep your costs low enough if you keep your costs of living low enough then you don't need anything and so just go do things like that you know don't don't buy things just to buy things like don't don't you know credit card don't do that like just keep your life as simple and as as mobile as possible and just go do that. Like, I don't need anything. So go do that. You know, it gives you time 
to figure out YouTube. It gives you time to figure out training. It gives you time to figure out because when you get to where I am, you can't do that because um, you have to support your kids and you have to pay your bills and you have to support your wife and you have to do these. Like these are just grown up responsibilities. Bless their hearts. Bless my wife's hearts because she's she's kind of ridden this whole ride and it's been. I don't tell her a lot about the struggle that business has been over 10 years. You know, it's not, it's not, I think people see entrepreneurship and they see business as I got a Ferrari sitting outside and I got it through my business. Like, no, it's not at all like that. Like acquiring customers is really hard. It's very hard, especially in this business. When people want, want what people want, is one-on-one non-challenging work that makes them feel good that and it's like this is not this is not what it, this is at all and so it can, yeah it, it can't be if you want players to be able to perform in uncomfortable situations With the you battle. have to you, you have to practice in uncomfortable situations i yeah. i I, I've been, let's see, I've been at four different facilities in my short little time uh, of being around and everything. And so I've seen a lot of instructors. Um, I've seen a lot of guys working with stuff and I, I've lost a good amount of clients to guys to where I am doing now looking back, was it, were the drills too challenging? I don't know. I get that, that stuff I need to revisit, but it was stuff where, guys are looking at me and we're doing stuff where you're not leaving the cage every single day feeling super successful. Now we do at the end of all of my stuff, we always do what I call feel goods. Um, I just want guys to just, I want them to bat flip. I want them to pimp stuff, but you have to show it right away. You can't look at the technology. You can't, I've got a TV here that has blast motion and my rap Soto that uh, show everything you can't look at that stuff to tell you it was a good hit. You have to just feel it. You have to know it. You have to have that timing. Uh, but before that, like, I mean, we're, we're challenging stuff. We're doing plyos. Um, I've got, uh, let me run and grab this. I think after listening to uh, your podcast and especially with the bat that you have that uh, uh, the, where uh, the barrel is off your yeah. offset barrel. Yeah. I think you're going to like this. Yeah. I love so this. So this is one of my favorite training tools. Yeah. Um, I was at a facility and I just saw this broken bat in the trash can. And so I was thinking for a while, I have, I also have these tools that I made. Um, I call them uh, barrel uh, accelerators. Uh, just to kind of get that feel. But I was wanting something I, I made. Another one, because I was wanting, you know, the barrel uh, accelerator uh, yep. bat or whatever. Yep. So that, that thing's 500 bucks. I can't yep. afford something 500 bucks. Yep. So I'm, I tried making my own with the yep. same thing. And I've got bungees with a foam around this guy. Yep. Uh, the first one I ever did, I didn't have the bungees on it. And it actually just broke straight through off of the top. Uh, so we had to make some adjustments with that. Oh. But from going to that... I started just kind of playing with this guy and uh, just seeing guys struggle 
but yep. then able to figure it out. That's that big difference. And like I said, I've lost so many guys because I'm having my guys do this stuff and yeah. just forcing them to not feel comfortable. And I'm losing guys to guys that are just, hey, here's a little soft toss down the middle. Here's a little BP yeah. toss. Like you're hitting the ball hard. You're hitting the ball, you know, line drives to the back of the net. That's exactly right. what we want. Shake our hands at the end of the day. Right. And, and it's not, just like. We're not even being true to concepts. And, and this is what I tell people. Like you're not even being true to concepts of motor learning in, in that practice design. You know, is the brain even active in that kind of practice? Or is it just in auto, in, you know, in an autopiloted mode? I've said that on Twitter. It's like I try to avoid autopiloting at any time. You know, I want them, I want them the long bat, the, long bat, the short bat, the light bat, the inloaded bat, the knob-loaded bat, the skinny sticks, the bent bat. I mean, whatever. Uh, the, 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 the snap tech with one eye black and the other eye strobing. You know, it's like, it's this, this constant challenge of engagement. You know, what are you engaging with in practice? You know, are you, is your mind, is your brain even active? I, again, I go back to Trevor Bauer a lot. You know, I don't, this is not an argument of, of Trevor's position in the world right now, but nope. there was, I missed the vlog. I missed the vlog because I, I missed Trevor's authenticity and commitment to motor learning. Like, but he says in the vlog one time, he was working on a curveball or something. I don't remember exactly. He was working on a curveball and he, and he said it, it didn't go that good, but I, I felt there was a lot of motor learning and engagement happening because I was very uncomfortable, you know, and my brain was very active because I, and it's like the task of motor learning is not especially motor learning of a skill that is so hard as hitting a baseball on time in space with speed with spin with trajectory with, with all these qualities it's like you go back to your i'll go back to mine you go back to your time striking out a lot it's like why did you strike out a lot it's not because your mechanics were not good it's because you lacked adaptability and precision of the barrel and what you thought you needed to do was was and i did too you know it was i need to work on my mechanics i'm gonna put this ball in this tee i'm gonna work on my mechanics and i'm gonna take these mechanics and go apply it to that and this should improve my ability not to strike out it's like that's that's not even close or at all representative of what needed to happen what needed to happen was i needed to challenge myself you know in a in a variety of ways, in multiple ways, to, to be able to, to, to swing the bat and the barrel where the ball was. So if I'm predetermining where the ball is and then I'm just swinging at it repetitively over and over again, I can't imagine the amount of time that I wasted doing T-work because that's what people say to do. And if you do T-work, you'll hit better. And it's like, you'll hit better because you hit better, not because <laughs> I took my swing I took my swing and made it almost unathletic. Okay. You're, I, I'll talk about myself, not in a, but my dad was a division one basketball player. I was a 1600 point score in high school, six, eight runner with power that could throw that could six, four two twenty, and made myself an unathletic hitter. It's like, what a, what a way.
What a waste. You know, and Monty Lee, the most recent podcast I, I did was, I did, I started these podcasts and these conversations like during COVID and those are just releasing because I didn't really know what I wanted to do with them. But he said, when I first started coaching, I knew that I wanted guys to move athletic and I knew I wanted them to move fast. And I knew if I, if I instructed them too much, I was going to make them move slower. It's like, where were you when I was, because that's what I needed. You know, I made, I made myself move slower and I made myself less athletic by doing all these practice things that people say are important. People are still saying you're important because that's just what's been passed down forever. I saw this uh, study um, where they took these uh, four monkeys and they put them in a cage. They put a ladder in the middle and a uh, thing of bananas at the top of the ladder. And every time a monkey would climb up and uh, grab a banana, they would uh, pour water on all the other monkeys. And it took them kind of a little bit to start to understand. And then what they did is they took one of the original monkeys out and then added a new one. And what they saw is that the new monkey would come in, see the bananas at the top, climb up, and then everyone around would start uh, beating up the monkey because they knew they were going to get splashed with water. They get splashed with water, then the new monkey would stop. And what they saw is after a certain amount of generations, uh, all of a sudden monkeys were just fighting each other. So that way they wouldn't go and grab a banana, but they had no reason as why they were not allowed to do that. I feel like that's a lot of the same idea with some of the former ideas of hitting that we've had is that it's just always has been this way. You weren't allowed to question anything or to fit, uh, to ask, why are we doing this? Is this the best way? Uh, how else could we do something like this? And now there are guys like you uh, coming onto the scene about 10, 10, 20 years ago, you've had guys that have been started questioning just the, uh, the everyday stuff that has been going on. And I feel like some of the guys these days don't even know why they're, they're banging the drums that they are or fighting the fights that I, they are. It's because it's like, well, I was told that we're not supposed to do that. So I don't know why we're not supposed to. I just know we're not supposed to. And it's the teamwork. It's the heavy bat. It's the uh, challenging with uh, velo early. Like It's those kinds of things that we're like, why haven't we done that? Why aren't we doing that? And I feel like you've seen results and I'm starting to understand and start to see that with my company starting. And it's just, it's wild. The fact that, you know, we kind of got to go through that process just to try and make the best process for a child, you know, trying to make the child the best one. And we kind of get thrown to the wolves a little bit saying that we're the mad scientists of the weird ones wanting to do that when it's like, why not? And I asked, I asked Kirsten Cox this about catching because she takes a lot of flack on the internet about knee down stuff. Yep. And I said, look, I said, can you please explain to these people why you took a position of knee down? It wasn't because you wanted to be rebellious. It wasn't because of this, that, or the other. It was because the data says that you'll be able to get more low strike calls and be able to present balls better from starting from a lower position. That's just what the data says. And so from, from the hitting side of things, it's like, I don't have the positions I have because I want to be different. 
Like I have the position I have, positions I have because the data says, like this is making players better. You know, people that have these positions, it's like you have no data. You have no information. You have no objective information that says across a, across a, a sample size that this improved players across the board. You have nothing. You're just saying that. You know, and I think young people, you, you're, you're much younger than me. And I know how I felt when I got into coaching. You know, my, my views about coaching were very different. I was just going to teach what I was taught. And I think you almost feel like you are the gatekeeper. You become the gatekeeper of the previous generations, like your coach. Like you have to be true to, to your coach. And it's like you can't disagree with your coach. You just want to be like him or her. It's like just because you, because just because you have a different position, you have better information now. You have better technology now. You can evolve. You can evolve your, your ideas. You know, I think Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan is one of my favorite people on the planet because he always says in his podcast, he's like, these are just my opinions. They may be different tomorrow. You know, my opinions that I have about things are rooted in objective information. You know, I don't have enough sample size to, to give you, but Robert does, Robert Riggins does. And so I always navigate to people who have, have objective data in what they think and believe. Robert has a lot of information on like, on like hitting with an eye patch on, covering one eye up, covering the other eye up, eye dominance. He has a lot of information that says he improved players that way. And that is interesting to me. You know, the guy who has this anecdotal belief of this is the way you should swing a bat. Like you won't have any information to tell me that's going to work for anybody. Like just because it worked for one guy, I don't know what, like, so you're going to tell me that a guy like me, a kid like me, whose dad played division one basketball, who I was a great basketball player. I was not a great basketball player. Let me rephrase that. I was a great athlete who played basketball. You're going to tell me the same things that's going to work for me is the same thing that's going to work for, you know, the kid down here that lives, I live in the middle of nowhere. The kid that lives down here at the end of this street that rolls in by whose parents, who, whose genetic starting point is not even close to mine, we're going to do the same thing. And we're expected to get the same result, which is like when the guy's trying to get us both out, we're both going to do the same thing. It's like, no, not at all. Not even close. But you're going to then go and claim me as like, look what I did for him. It's like, no, no, you didn't, you didn't, you're not my parents. You didn't get my genetic starting point to where you, where it started. I am a big believer that all of the success that all of my clients or the players I've coached or anything that is purely based from them. Uh, I kind of, you know, provide them with what I feel would work best but it's up ultimately up to them for one to do it and then two to be able to execute that. Uh, but yeah. all failure, pretty much I put a hand up and try and figure out what yeah. can I do? Like, what did I do? What can we adjust? How can we pivot? What do we need to do to get the result that we are looking for? Right. And to that, to that statement, my daughter 
my daughter's nine. When softball, you go from AU coach pitch to 10U kid pitch. And my daughter's been pitching. My daughter's been pitching. We've been trying to pitch, build velocity in the same way we do with baseball and softball. And she pitched this past weekend, and she had a rocky first inning. And then the next two innings, she didn't give up any runs. And so I told her after the game, I said, hey, look, I don't want you to worry about that first inning. That's my fault. Like, that is on me. Okay? That's not your fault. That is my fault. I have to do a better job of making your practice more representative so you're accustomed to, the, to what – it doesn't take you an inning to become accustomed to what the game requires. Like, you've done this a lot. And so I have to make the practice more representative to this so that you are more ready for the, for the gun to go off, right, and start the game. Um, that's my fault. Because so, that's it. Because we had more games to play, and I just didn't want her to, to beat herself up that, like she didn't do well. That's the job of coaching. You know, and I feel like most people do that, but then they, they say those words, but their actions aren't reflective of that. You know, they said coaching cliche words, but then their actions don't reflect that. You know, the, their success in the game is theirs. You had nothing to do with that. Nothing. You might have had a hand in, in the under building some of the underlying skills that, that emerge in the game. But what happens in the game is them. Like, you didn't, you didn't do anything, nothing. You know, their mindset, their frame of mind, their ability to interact with, with pitching or hitting or fielding, or that was, that was them. You know, and, and I have much greater appreciation and understanding for that. That's always been my position, but I have much greater understanding of that now that, now that I have children that do this. And it's like, as bad as I want to go out there and help them, I can't. Like, they have to do this. I have to prepare them in a way that they can do this. You know, I've told this story on this podcast before that my daughter, probably two months, six weeks ago, comes up in a game with a, with a tie game, two outs, winning run on second base. And I felt good about her being up there because I know she's not up there thinking. You know, I tell people all the time, you don't want to be in this position and, and you spend all your time thinking about what your left arm is doing or where your left wrist is or what your right hip is doing. I knew she was going up there with the objective of, I'm going to try to be on time. I'm going to try to hit this pitch as hard as possible, period. Like, that's what I want you to do. So I knew she was there. Like, I knew she was there because we've never done anything else. She's never been exposed to anything else. That's what she's done. So I know she's there. She goes up there. I've, Go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, I've been listening and just the fact that you've been able to just kind of shelter or not shelter her, but like just kind of make sure that that has been the only type of training she's been doing. Yeah. I've been like no children whatsoever, anytime in any near right. future at all. But like, I am obsessed with like the science of like the environment of a kid, like the process of everything and everything uh, of teaching and i would uh, i i've always i've been a, very intrigued with your process and you walking through your podcast of you teaching your uh your daughter when you've been kind of the only one to work with her and that process yep. and the ups and downs i i've been absolutely fascinated with that uh, sorry to interrupt i just want to jump that in super fortunate to people that coach her team both my son and daughter i have 
that so the people that coach our team, they have an older son who's 15, who I have trained since he was 10. They have a younger daughter that's my daughter's age, and they have a younger son that's my son's age. So they coach all of their teams. They coming from they do not coach them. They do not they do not they do not say anything about her mechanics or how she interacts with the task or anything. They don't they don't do any of that. So we're super fortunate in that because they're not saying anything to her when she's going up in this situation. They're just, you know, the dad just says, hey, be on time. Hey, be on time. Be ready, be on time. And so she goes up there in this situation. She goes up there, fastball, first pitch. You know, my daughter's a bit, I've never told her how to swing. Okay. I've never told her how to do anything. Nothing. She's leg kicking. Like she leg kicks. She's done that on her own. I've never told her, hey, leg kick. So she's got this leg kick barrel tip. Again, she figured this out because I think young kids figure this out if you just tell them to hit the crap out of the ball. That's what they do. Like yes. that's that's what it looks like. And so in a motor learning place for all young kids, I think they should all move big. Like you can't you can't get to a place where you need to refine. Maybe you're a big mover when you become 16 or 17. Maybe you're a small mover, but you won't know the difference in any of it if you've never moved big. So now is the time to move big, right? To the point. Okay, I'll get to the point. Point is fastball, like on time, swings through it. She's on time, hard, fast, swings through it. Fine, miss, strike one. Girl, little girl flips her, chains up, borderline strike, which if you listen to the podcast, you'll get our swing decision timing problem and how we solved it. We can go into it on this if you want. Flips her, change up, borderline, probably a ball. Guy calls it a strike, strike two. Whatever. Goes up there, big leg kick, fastball, maybe fouls it back. I'm like, all right, whatever. Again, the next pitch, like big leg kick, on time, fastball swings, miss, strikes out. I'm not mad at all. She did what she was supposed to be on time, swing the bat aggressively. I know you didn't drive, run it, second base. But I'm not going to react. Like, I'm not going to get, you know, because kids, players become a reflection of, in this world, their parents. You know, they their, their perspectives are shaped by their parents. I don't want her to be upset about this because the game's not over. She may come back in this situation again and need to do this, try to do this job again. But to the point, she, she did what she was supposed to do as a hitter. Like, she didn't get a hit. I wish she would have. That would have been awesome. But, like – going to get out times in that situation you're going to strike out plenty of times in that situation you're going to ground out you're going to fly out you're going to drive it in sometimes that's just what's going to happen because that's what hitting is like it's just a random series of events that control what you can which she did on time aggressive i wish you'd have found the barrel i wish ball would have found the barrel but it didn't oh well we'll move on we'll, you know we'll continue to train Barrel precision, barrel skills, barrel adaptability. So hopefully next time your 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 you know your your radar is better, so you can interact better. It is what it is. It's just making those little tiny adjustments, like you said. If you are able to go up, and the fact that I don't know where you stand with the idea of a two strike approach and everything like that. I've coached where I've had the idea of wow, it'd be really nice yeah. if. You know, with two-strike approach, my guys never struck out. But then I've also been a hitting coach where I've said, like, hey, you know, you, you get three swings to get your best thing off. Yeah. They they got to throw it. So I don't know where you're at with that. But 
the how important do you feel it is to have a coach like you you mentioned earlier in that third base box in that first base box or in the dugout that doesn't show that reaction of I feel like if your coach would have you know dropped the shoulders dropped the head when she struck out yes it would have been amazing for her to hit that ball but the idea is you don't want if you had to choose when you want all of your success you don't want to choose it when you're seven years old no. it's easy to have success when you're seven years old because the, the challenges aren't there. If yeah. she's able to build that process of understanding, Hey, it's okay. Uh, that I didn't get the result, but my process was good. My process, it, can I make my process a little better? Maybe. I feel like that's always a thing, but the focus of that process, the idea that she's swinging hard, she's on time with the good direction. That's all you can do as a hitter when you're supposed to fail like 70% of the time, um, it's just difficult. But to get to my main question, how important do you think it is for youth players to have a coach in the third base, in the first base box that doesn't drop their head, that has that positive, like, hey, you know, like, we're okay. It's all right. How important is that? It's amazing. It's amazingly important. It's even more amazingly important if you have parents that are like that, you know, because and this gets regurgitated a lot, you know, the ride home, the perspectives and the conversations that you have in the car, you know, things like that are going to shape your shape, the player more than anything I could do. You know, I, I would love to, I told, there's a few parents that I, uh, kids that I trained that I really, really like. There's other parents that I wish we could lock the door and keep them because you know, you're not allowing your you're not allowing your child to become an individual. You're not allowing them to 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 take on their own personality. You know, you're not allowing them to, you know, grow into who they who they are. You know, I want my kids to have the habits, and I and I've said this to people we train. I want to be a reflection of the habits that it takes for you to be successful. But I also want to like present you with things now so that you build these habits of successful people through sports. Like that to me is what this is all about. It's not about hitting. It's not about pitching. It's about developing these habits. It's about developing the habits that are going to last with you. And people say, people say, well, Chad, it's, it's bigger. It's bigger than, than baseball. It's like, yeah but you're saying the words and you're just saying that I am really actually trying to implement this being an example of this, of the daily habits you have to have. It's like this team. So the place I live and I did it, it'll come out eventually. I did a podcast roundtable with one of my former players who's now an assistant basketball coach at the university of Richmond. We talked about this in that podcast. It's like, you just take the habits that you learn as a player, and just go apply them everywhere else and that you'll be successful like just take these habits like take these habits that's what's important to me like that's what's important to me in training players we use baseball i use hitting i use training i use player development as the platform to which we go about these habits that make successful people you know my sister is one of these people like you want to talk about people that are outside of this my sister is one of these people. She she applies these habits 
she's climbed the ladder to where she is because she worked, you know, and she was consistent and she challenged herself and she was uncomfortable. You know, she doesn't take safe. She takes risk. She sacrifices all these things, all these things that make you a good player. Just apply those things. You know, I could talk about those things much longer than I could talk about hitting mechanics, you know, the task interaction, motor learning, skill acquisition, you know, all the, all those things are cool. I like them. They, 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 they help you. They help you with the doorway to establish those things because at the end of the day, kids just want to play well, you know, they don't want, they don't want to talk about life lessons, man. They don't. Oh, if you had presented me with some of the crap, the motivational crap that's out there, when I was six, man, I just want to throw gas. Can you help me throw gas? Can you help me hit the ball farther? I don't care about any of this. I don't care about this. I am 16, 15 or 16. I want to hit bombs. I want to throw gas. I want to people. I want to chase girls. That's what I want to do. Like, if you can help me do some of those things better, great. I don't, I don't care about these life lessons you keep throwing at me. But oddly enough, you can learn these things. I learned these things probably from my parents. You know, you, you, you asked me when I would learn these things. I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess my parents, I guess they were, because they didn't preach these things to me. It's just, I guess they lived these things and I just see them. You know, I watched Michael Jordan, you know, and I, and I admired Michael Jordan growing up and I see what he did. And I'm like, oh, I got to do that, you know. That's just a long rabbit hole of like establishing James Clear Atomic Habits, like one of my favorite today books. It's just that. You bring up your uh, sister and the fact that she took a lot of risks. That's one of the things that I kind of want to hone in on. For you to have a risk, though, or for you to have a reward, you have to have that risk. And I feel like there's so many people going through today. You said that you feel like you are where you're at because you live through those things versus being told about some of those things. I feel right. like th there's so many people in this today's world, a lot of parents, I really feel because they just, they, they're so scared of their child going home and feeling like they're a failure if they didn't do right. well that day. And so I feel like they're so scared and, and they almost want to coddle the risk aspect, but that also then- right cuddles the reward aspect um i and that kind of bringing it a whole table when we first started talking and we were saying how uh a lot of instructors are almost scared to feel like uh to put pressure on their kid in a lesson to possibly fail because they don't want to lose a client because now the kid's going back and saying like well you know all we did was you know there are three plates he had a pitching machine set up and i was using a short bat well did you hit the ball hard timmy no i didn't but oh well we just won't go back then because i don't want you to feel like you failed no doubt and i feel like that's a lot of what today is people just being scared of taking risks people just being scared of uh failing and so they would rather just kind of be in the middle versus having the possibility of having uh doing something really great right no i'm totally with you in that regard of of people i think parents and people wrap up their individual self-worth and identity their children 
and that's certainly true. I want my I want my children to be you know a reflection of of what we the habits that we give you know show them and establish them. But I think you I I love and I root for my kids to fail. I wish they still gave F's in school, like I do, and I wish my kids got them. You know, I root for that, not because I'm mean, but because this time in their life doesn't matter a lot. It just doesn't matter a lot. You know, this is time for them to fail. Like take, I mean, even where you are, you're young, shoot shots, like fail. Like don't fail catastrophically. Don't take thousand dollar loans to start this mega business in this mega building and fail at it. But what I'm saying is like, take, I don't know about, I, to, to your point of, we put three plate BP, you know, and the data, the data and the analytics technology piece of the feedback, um, the constraint led approach, ecological dynamics, task interaction, unplugging ourselves out of mechanical conversations allows for conversations to be much more psychological, competitive mindset, mentality. You know, I've said this on Twitter before, you give me a guy with 100 mile an hour exit velocity and just an assassin's mentality as a hitter, it's not going to be bad. He's not. Like, they're not. There's no way they're bad. You know, it's that mindset. You give me a kid with a mindset, like just a killer mindset, they're gonna they're gonna be able to go at it you know and i think in that in that mentality it's like i don't say anything you know a lot of the conversations we have are about mindset are about mentality they're not about the mechanics of why you missed that ball we're not talking about that we're talking about the mindset it, it goes to 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 being able to to dominate that pitch you know to 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 own that pitch or embarrass that pitcher's family you know, we talk about things like that. We say things like that. You know, that becomes who they are. You know, I, 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 I use embarrassed pitcher's family because I asked a kid one time. We've never really said that before. Hey, how are things going? Good, man. I'm just out here trying to embarrass people, the pitcher's families every day. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. You know, that's what that's I want awesome. you to, I want you to embarrass the pitcher's families. You know. Because at the end of the day, this is just a game. Like, this is just a game. Like, make it as fun as possible because, you know, from a business side, you could ask me, how did you build a YouTube channel? And how did you build a podcast? And how did you do this? I, it was unintentional. It was all unintentional. There was no plan. I just did things I like. I do energy drink reviews every day because I like energy drinks. I don't care if anybody watches them. I just like doing it. I like doing a podcast because I like doing it. Like, I like talking to people. I don't know if it'll be big. Maybe it will. But it's like, I like doing it. And sometimes I have to remind myself of that why. It's like, it's easy to get wrapped up into wanting to build a huge podcast or wanting to build a huge YouTube channel or wanting to build a huge business or whatever. It's like, it's, it's the same thing that goes into being a good player. You know, if you're going to be a good player, you first just have to like doing it because it's going to take so much time and so much work 
It's going to take an eternity of time and eternity of work. If you don't like it, you're just not going to do that. You're not, you're not going to do the work. You're required. You know, you look at Joe Rogan. Rogan would tell you about his podcast. I don't know if anybody would watch. I just like talking to my friends. And I just talk to my friends a lot. And he put it on the internet for free. And it became a huge thing. He makes like 30 or $40 million on the podcast. Spotify paid him $100 million for the exclusive rights to the podcast. It's like, I, he, he says that. It's like, I didn't think it was going to be a thing. I didn't know there was no plan. I just like doing it. You know, you become a great hitter because you just like doing it. You know, I hit today, I do bat review videos, right? Those are not bat review videos. Those are just hitting videos that I wrap up in a bat review. Because I don't think people, I can't get a kid to watch a video if I'm just talking about these technologies, things they don't understand. It's like, ooh, he did a bat review video on the red meta. You know, I'm going to go watch that. And inside of that video, I talk about some hitting. And I represent practice as it should be represented. It's me swinging and missing a lot. It's me hitting off of a pitching machine that doesn't throw strikes every time and not getting frustrated by it. Just because I like to hit, too. You know, and it's like young players, it's like, you've got to like it. You've got to like the frustration of it. You've got to like the challenge of it. That's been my whole life, though. It's like the harder it is, the more I dig my heels in and like it. I love the energy drink reviews. I, I love everything you do. Um, I, <laughs> if, if you've gone through uh, the DMs I've sent you, I think over the last like year or so, like I, I'm wearing one of your hats right now. Like literally everything that you do, um, I really enjoy. And not necessarily like every single second. I love every single moment of the content. And not saying that I don't. I love the aspect that you leave all the uh, uh, all your swings and misses in. I love the aspect that uh, you, you say you're not doing it to make it big shiny, that you're trying to hide like little nuggets in there to try and trick guys into a kind of like learning. Like those are the kinds of things like I absolutely love. I'm going to bring up the energy drink review because uh, I had one of my players, uh, we were uh, in Missouri, uh, going to run into a gas station. And uh, I normally really like, have you tried the uh, uh, orange dreamsicle of uh, rain? Eight. It's an eight. I loved it. So I have that. And I, I tell him, talked to one of my players. I was like, hey, yo, this thing is amazing. And he looks at it and goes, oh, have you tried, was it the Loki or the, oh man, I can't, L-O-K-I. Whatever, the most horrible flavor in the world. Worst. I I hated every second of it. And yes. I told him that. And he was like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. And then the moment I saw that you posted that review, yep. I immediately sent it to him. I go, dude, I don't know what to tell you. It's just not good. Uh, <laughs> it's just bad. It's the weirdest taste. There, there is no, like, definition to it. It's just, like, not good. I think they named it bad too. It's like, <laughs> what you can like with that name? I have no idea what this is going to taste like, <laughs> and that's so, what it tastes like. I don't even know what this is. I don't know. Uh, you you didn't exactly say it, but the atmosphere of your facility. What is uh, what is it that you think, and how did you create that? Hard really hard it's really hard in this business because you have to let people go you have to 
you have to let people, like you, you can't train everybody. You know, everybody's not your client, you know, and it's really hard, especially when you're starting because you have to train a lot of people uh, to, to, to make ends meet. Whatever your ends meeting is, you know, sometimes you have to make sacrifices and training maybe people don't fit your culture that you want. Um, we're right. We're fortunate right now because our players are really, we have a, an exceptional group of players within the group that, that really um, are culture guys. You know, I try to stay out of it. You know, I try to, I try to stay out of the interactions of the players on the floor. It boils down to the players ultimately. You know, I try to be an example of all these things. A, but at the same time, it's not my job to be your friend either. You know, if you need to kick in the pants, I, I've got to do that. You know, you know, if, if you need – my job is to make you a better player, whatever that looks like. You know, I'm not going to coddle you. And, and if that's not for you, then that's not for you. You don't have to come here. That's kind of why I do what I do. It gives me the freedom to – you don't have to be here. You don't have to come here. Like you don't have to, I don't have to, you don't have to train here. I want you to, I think you'll, I think you'll realize some success in the game, but you don't have to. Long story of that question is just, you have to find the right players. You know, it's about them. And our, our culture is really good now because we have a, about two or three really just great players who have great parents they have great families their 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 habits their everything about them is just a reflection of their parents really it's like they're they're just great kids they're just great kids and they kind of set the set the stage for what the training is certainly been on the other end of it where i hated the crews like i hate this you know i there's no energy in this there's no one invested in energy in this those things don't last very long. Those things don't last very long. I could certainly work harder in recruiting people into the groups, but again, it comes down to time and I have my own kids now. So there's that.